Well, hello, Cross Life East family. Um, I hope that you guys are staying healthy and staying safe. I'm excited to be teaching this week and to be continuing our series entitled Exiles. Um, and so for this series, if you're now jumping in, we've been going through the book of First Peter. And so the reason we've been going through the book of First Peter is because Peter actually wrote this book to a church of exiled Christians. Um, and while we, might, while we might not be exiled from society, uh, we call ourselves exiles just in knowing that our time on earth is temporary and that our future home is heaven. Um, and so up to this point in the series, Pastor Doug has been talking about how are we to live as exiles towards the world. And so he's mentioned how we are called to live in hope, how we are called to live in harmony, how we're called to live in holiness, and how we're called to live in submission. Um, and so if you weren't able to watch any of those sermons, that's perfectly okay. Um, we're still glad you're joining us today. But if you want to catch up and watch any of those, feel free just to go to our Facebook page um, and go into the videos tab, and all the sermons should be there for you. Or you can go to YouTube and click on our profile. Either way, all of those sermons and videos should be there for you to watch. Um, but regardless, whether this is your first Sunday with us or if this is your 20th Sunday with us, thank you for joining us. Um, we're so happy you decided to do church with us, church with us this morning. Um, and so today, as we continue in the Exile series, we're going to be looking at a passage from 1 Peter 3. Um, so I want to start in 1 Peter 3, verse 8 through 12. And this is what it says. It says, Finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. Do not repay evil for evil or insult for insult, but in the contrary, bless. For this is what you were called to do, that you may obtain a blessing. Verse 10, for whoever desires to love life and see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. And so earlier, I kind of just mentioned how in the sermon series, we've touched on how um, we are to live our lives as exiles towards the world. But today, Peter kind of flips the narrative and talks about how we are to live our lives towards each other. Um, and so the first point that we're going to touch on is how we are to treat the church. Um, and Peter says this, and, um, this is his first instruction, he says, and he starts by saying, all of you. And I love that because it's so inclusive. He says, all of us. And that means no follower of Christ is exempt from what he is about to say. And the first thing he lists is unity of mind. Peter tells us as believers we were supposed to have unity of mind and to live in harmony. Um, but this unity of mind is not just living in harmony, but Peter is saying that we are, as the body of Christ, live unifying in mind and thoughts with one mission and with one goal. As the global church, we have the mindset of sharing the gospel so that others may know the love of Christ. But as Cross Life East, we are to have the unity of mind um, to accomplish this mission by loving God and by loving people. And so you'll see that everywhere around our church. You'll hear people say it. You'll hear Doug say it. You'll hear me say it. You'll see it on our t-shirts. Those are our serving shirts. Um, but that is truly our mission, is to love God and to love people. And so we're to have unity in mind in that. And not just unity in mind of our local church, of Cross Life East, that we should love God and love people, but unity in mind of that we love God and love people for the sake of people knowing the gospel. And so the second thing um, that Peter points out is that we're to have sympathy. He says we are to have sympathy or compassion for our fellow believers. And in the past, we've said true compassion is compassion that leads to action. And so this means that we need to be a church that takes care of its own. A church that when we see a need, not only in the community, but within our own body, 
we address it. And often that's how we refer to the church, as, as our one body, um, one group of people. And we're told to treat it like we would treat ourselves, our own body. And so if I were to go home today and I were to be cooking and I were to slice my finger, which I've done more times than I can count, I'm not just going to sit it, leave it there and let it bleed out, right? No, that'd be wrong. That'd be ridiculous. Um, I'd go and I'd put some Neosporin on it and I'd wrap it in a Band-Aid and I would do anything I can to help it heal. This is the way we should live as the church towards the church. If we see a need in our community, if we see a need in our body of believers, we shouldn't just sit there and watch somebody struggle. No, that'd be ridiculous. We are called to love them. We are called to help out in any way we can. Um, sometimes that's just praying for them, um, but sometimes that's doing more than that. Um, and, and so we need to have sympathy for each other. Next, Peter mentions that we are supposed to have brotherly love, and he says it's super important for us to have. And, and this is the love of a brother. In Proverbs seventeen seventeen, it says this, a friend loves at all times, but a brother is born for adversity. You see, I love how Paul, or Peter excuse me, uses the word brotherly in front of love because the love of a brother is one that sticks through things. Um, and so I think the question for us that Peter is trying to get us to ask is, are we loving each other through hard times? When people in our congregation are going through trials or through tribulation, or are we supporting them through whatever adversity they are going through? Are we standing with them and helping them? And when we support each other through adversity, this is when we begin to have a relationship of iron sharpens iron. This is when we begin to be the church that it talks about in Acts 2. So this is super important for us to have. And so maybe the question we need to ask ourselves today is what can we do to love our church better, to love our body better, to love our community better? Um, and this easily leads me to the next thing Peter talks about. Peter mentions to have a tender heart. When we have a tender heart, it means that we're compassionate but that we're also quick to forgive. Um, and as Christians, we're really, typically really quick to forgive those who hurt us um, and the people who are outside the church. But often, how quick are we to forgive the people inside the church who hurt us? Are we willing to forgive a brother or sister in Christ who hurts us? Are we willing to forgive a pastor who hurts us? And I'm not saying that's going to be emotionally easy or emotionally feel good, but it's the right thing to do. Is the right thing for us to do as the body of the church to give grace to its own members. And so today, maybe there's somebody in our own congregation or a past congregation or in the global church who's offended you or has hurt you. But I think Peter today is calling us to forgive them of what they've done. Um, and so Peter wraps up these five attributes by telling us to have a humble mind. Um, and I think he does this one last because these traits seem progressive. If you don't think in unity with the church, if you don't have sympathy, if you don't live in brotherly love with a tender heart, then you can't have a humble mind. Um, and I think the best definition I've ever heard of humility is this. Um, true humility is just embracing your own humanity. Um, and I think that's one of the best ones because when we begin to embrace our humanity, we begin to see our stance with God. Um, and comparing ourselves to God puts everything into perspective. And we begin to understand that we are infinitely small compared to him. We begin um, to understand that we don't have everything figured out and we might never. We understand that we're not perfect. But we also learn that's okay. Because we have a father who loves us. A perfect father who is sovereign and in control. Um, so after outlining these five things of how we should treat the church. After outlining unity of mind, sympathy, 
brotherly love, a tender heart, and humble mind. Peter explains that there are three systems in the world that we can live our life by. He says that we can, in verse 9 that we can either repay evil for evil, we can repay good for good, or we can repay good for evil. And repaying good for evil is what God wants us to do. As exiles, God has called us as Christians to live a life on a system of mercy. And so Peter finishes this excerpt, this section with an excerpt from Psalm 34, verses 12 through 16, that reminds us that as we, we live our lives in mercy, despite how the world lives, that we can know that God is with us, God sees us, God hears us, and God is for us. And so after this section, there is a, kind of a switch in Peter's writing, and Peter begins to dive into a new topic. Um, you see, instead of talking about how we should live towards the world or how we should live towards each other, Peter begins to talk about how the world would treat us um, because we're exiles. And in verses 13 through 18, he says this, Now who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience, so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. For it is better to suffer for doing good, if that should be God's will, than for doing evil. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the, righteousness, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body, but made alive in the spirit. And so Peter begins to talk about the life we can expect as exiles. Um, Peter says he encourages us to live by the system of mercy. And that when we do, um, who would want to harm us? But I love, he goes into this profound statement. And he says, even in suffering, we are blessed. He says, but even if you suffer for what is right, you are blessed. And I find this statement just so profound, so amazing, because as humans, I think we tend to think in conditionals we, or cause and effect. We tend to believe, if this, then that will happen. If I live the most righteous life, then I will live the most abundant life. If I live the most holy life, then nothing can harm me. If I follow the Ten Commandments, then I will have a perfect life. But here, Peter is challenging us in our, that mindset and telling us it's wrong. He's saying that even if you do good and you suffer, that doesn't mean you've lost your blessing. And I think some of us need to hear that this morning. It doesn't mean that because you're struggling financially that you've lost your blessing. It doesn't mean that you're struggling to get through school that you've lost your blessing. It doesn't mean because you've experienced tragedy because of this virus that you've uh, lost your blessing. It doesn't mean that you've got laid off that you've lost your blessing. This is important. Um, if you are living God's word out in your life, and you are living a life by the system of mercy, then it does not matter what your circumstances seem like. It doesn't matter what circumstances surround your life because God is still with you, God still loves you, and God is still for you. And I know that's so hard to comprehend, but our God is not a God that works on conditionals. God doesn't have a checklist that he checks off every morning for you for you to be blessed. There's no list of requirements for you to be blessed. There's only two things God asks of us to be blessed. And those two requirements are that you are to love him and to surrender your life um, to live for him. Do these two things, I promise you, God is with you. 
Um, and then next, knowing this, Peter encourages us um, by saying to not fear the people that seek to persecute us, but to always be ready to share the, the why we live the way we do. Um, and so, and suffering is our greatest testimony. He tells us to be ready um, and to treat people and to share our story with gentleness and respect. Uh, my in-laws have this saying um, of, it, you're going to catch more flies with honey than you do with vinegar. And what they mean by that is more people are going to be drawn to your gentleness and respect than if you were to be cruel, if you were to yell. More people are apt to listen to your story and want to understand. They're going to ask more questions. They're going to be drawn in more when we tell our story with gentleness and respect. And this will help us to keep a clear conscience, what Peter says. If you share your testimony with gentleness, then any slander brought against you just reflects the anger of the people who spoke against you. Um, and Peter is just telling us to live this way because this is the way Christ lived. This is how Peter saw Christ live his life, and he knows that we are supposed to, called to imitate it. When Christ was persecuted, he spoke with gentleness, and he gave his persecutors respect, even when they didn't deserve it. And when he gave up his spirit and the earth shook, there were people that persecuted him that remembered the way he spoke and remembered the way he acted. And they said, truly, this man was the Son of God. And this could be our greatest hope in persecution of any kind. That when it is over and done, when our lives, and we've given it up, people look, people look at our lives and the way that we share the gospel, not only through our mouths, but through the way we lived. And that they say, truly, they loved God and they loved people. That could be our greatest hope. And so Peter begins to point out that in our suffering is when we are most like Christ. Um, he says Christ suffered for the sake of righteousness. We, and we become the most like Christ when we can suffer for righteousness. And Christ himself in John 15, 20 said this, A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, then they will surely persecute you. If they obeyed me, then they will also obey you. So you see, we cannot expect to live a life where we truly follow Christ and do not face any persecution or suffering. And, but I love what Peter points out about Christ's suffering. He says that, yet while Jesus was made dead, he, he was alive in his spirit. And if you are truly a follower of Christ, and this is our hope, this is our expectation, that when we die, we become alive in spirit. And I love, um, one of my favorite stories in the Bible is that of Stephen, the first martyr. I mean, the Bible tells us that Stephen was led by the Spirit and began to preach in the synagogue, um, which is, he actually began a beautiful sermon where he describes the manifestation of God all the way from Genesis up into the life, death, and resurrection of Christ. Um, but when Stephen finished preaching, people became angry at him, uh, mostly the synagogue leaders, and they sought um, to kill him. And so they began to stone Stephen and kill him. And, but the most beautiful part about Stephen's story um, is that he was filled with the Spirit, and when people began attacking him, he looked up and he saw the heavens in all its glory. And he saw Jesus standing. And so while they stoned him, until he died, he fell asleep. But at the end of our lives, we may be dying to this world, but we are only awakening to our eternity. Um, and so... One last thing that Peter points out to us through the life of Noah is this. In verse 19, he says, After being made alive in the Spirit, he, being Jesus, went and made proclamation to the imprisoned spirits, to those who were disobedient long ago, when God waited patiently in the days of Noah while the ark was being built. In it, only a few people, eight in all, were saved through water. 
And this water symbolizes baptism that now saves you also. Not the removal of dirt from the body, but the pledge of a clear conscience toward God. It saves you by the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of the Father. So Peter, to illustrate his point um, to the recipients of the letter, uses the example of Noah. Um, And so he gives the example of Noah and how through believing and living for God, he was delivered by the flood and allowed to live. Um, And Peter relates this to baptism. Um, But we really have to closely read this passage and understand it because if we read it wrong, then it it comes across as baptism is what saves us. Um, But what Peter is truly just trying to do is just to encourage the people that he's writing to um, to bear witness through baptism. Um, despite the persecution that should follow. And this is because when Noah was building the ark, um, when he was building the ark, he did so in faith. And most scholars believe it took Noah around 75 to 80 years to complete the ark. Um, And then through his faith, he was saved by it publicly when the flood came um, and displayed him and his family being on the ark. And so baptism to the crowd that Peter was speaking to would have been a really, really bold proclamation of faith. Um, any faith shown public would have surely led to pro- uh, persecution. And so Peter is not saying that we are saved by baptism. Um, let us make that clear. But what he is saying is we are saved by faith, but that baptism is an important step in publicly declaring our faith, no matter what the outcome. But you see, Noah built the ark, and he endured the labor and suffering in the, in the faith that one day God would act on his promise. And so I love that. Noah, for 75 to 80 years, endured through faith that God would fulfill the promise that he gave him, that one day a flood would come. And I love that. The Bible never mentions Noah hearing any other word from God, except that he should build the ark and how to build it. And so I I love that God gave Noah a mission to complete um, until his promise came to fruition. He gave him a job. Well, God also let us Uh, left us a job in the Great Commission. Jesus, before his ascension, commanded us to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And so are we working in faith? Are we enduring our life in faith to accomplish the mission that God has left for us, despite the persecution it might bring? So are you enduring in faith? So as we continue this series, and as we continue to live as exiles in the world, it's so important that we put into practice these things that Peter has written for us. It's important that we treat each other with mercy and that we live with unity of mind, that we live with sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. And as we face persecution in the world, we endure it with faith, standing without fear, but in gentleness and respect, always ready to share the gospel of Christ. So we're going to wrap up today a little bit differently. Um, And instead of going into another set of worship, and uh, I just simply want to pray for us. But before I do that, I just want to remind you, um, and just let you know that we're super excited for this upcoming Tuesday, June 2nd, to finally be back in person. Um, We want to encourage you to come on out. We're going to be meeting as a church again um, here at Cross Life Oviedo. Um, And so we are super excited for that. We hope to see you then, um, 6.30 on Tuesday. But let me go ahead and pray for us. Um, God, I just want to thank you for this body of believers you've given us, that we can come together, Lord, and worship you. Despite being separated, Lord, we're still together as one body and one mind. God, I pray that we just follow what Peter has written through your inspired word, God, and we just treat each other well. 
that we love each other through your Holy Spirit. God, that we love each other in sympathy, with compassion, and with a brotherly love. God, I pray that, you give, that through your Holy Spirit, you give us the courage to stand in faith and not fear. Lord, I pray that you just allow us to share our testimony uh, with gentleness and respect and to live our lives as, as exiles well in, represent, in representation of the home that we eventually get to go to. So, Father, I pray that you just bless these people. God, bless us. Allow us to live well as your church. It's in your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, I hope you guys have a great week, and we look forward to seeing you on Tuesday.